from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latine. See, I talk about things other people are scared to talk about. What they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? Now you tell me, you want those pretty lies, or you ready for the ugly truth? Let's get it. This is Robert Latow from BlackSportsOnline.com, and you're listening to the Ugly Truth Podcast. Why well, don't tell you those pretty lies? I tell you the ugly truth about what's going on in the world of sports, entertainment, and viral news. And this is an interesting story to me. And it's one of those type of stories where I'm not going to tweet about it because it's the type of topic that if you try to tweet about it, everything's going to get lost in the translation. People are going to start fighting. And your point that you're trying to make is never going to get across. It's just the way social media works. But I was interested in it. So I said, hey, why don't I do a podcast uh, about it? Because it's one of those things that you need to know the ugly truth about. The story starts with actor Terry Crews. You may be familiar with him. I think he's in that Brooklyn, I forgot, that Brooklyn show, the cop show. He's done a bunch of movies. He's done a, a lot of stuff in Hollywood. And maybe a year ago, 18 months ago, it was a while ago, back while all this stuff was going on with Me Too and Harvey Weinstein and all of that stuff, uh, he said, I don't remember if it was a producer, it was somebody in Hollywood, a gay person in Hollywood, inappropriately uh, touched him, propositioned him, and he felt like he couldn't do anything, he felt helpless, because if he said anything, he felt he'd be blackballed, and all of this stuff. Since that time, uh, he's, he's, you know, talked to Congress. Um, he spoke out about sexual harassment in Hollywood. Uh, he's been a voice, a, a black voice, male black voice, uh, for the Me Too movement, which is all positive stuff because just because you're big and strong doesn't mean that you're always in a position of power. And there's a lot of big and strong people out there uh, that can be made to be feel very small um, because someone has a power uh, advantage over them. And that's how Mr. Cruz felt. Uh, one phrase um, that Mr. Cruz likes to use and that you hear often now, it's a very popular phrase now, is toxic masculinity. Oftentimes, it's the black is added to it. Toxic black masculinity. And Mr. Cruz was called out uh, by a very popular social media person 
uh, about some of the claims that he's made about toxic black masculinity. Uh, Tariq Nasheed, who, who says that he is an anti-racism strategist. And a lot of time he points out how white supremacy infects our society, white privilege, racism. Uh, that's pretty much his thing, and that's what he does all the time about how media, certain black individuals, certain websites are in the business of making black men look bad. And he took on Terry Crews because Terry Crews spoke on Black male, toxic masculinity. And I'm just kind of going through the tweet so I can see what the tweet that actually started it all. It was something about Terry Crews saying, you know, the floor is toxic masculinity. And he was, you know, he was jumping, you know, like he was, you know, above the toxic masculinity. And then he said something to the effect when he was addressing um, Tariq Nasheed that, you know, how can black people be treated equally in this country if black women have never been treated equally by black men? I believe the exact, uh, let me read the exact, the exact quote. How can we as black men expect and demand equality from everyone else when the women in our community are not treated equally? So I, I thought about all of this because these are complex issues. And sometimes when there's complex issues, you have to really break them down for people to understand exactly what's going on and it's one of those type of things where it's not necessarily a right or wrong answer it's not like you know i'm on mr cruz side or mr nasheed's side it's my job to make sure you understand where these things are coming from so you know how to differentiate between the real and the fake what's the truth and what's the lies so first let's start with the term toxic masculinity, toxic black masculinity. The term in and of itself, the phrase in and of itself, has some validity to it. The problem is, how's it, it's like a weapon. How is it being, you know, used? If you're a cop, you have a gun, you know, for, for a reason. Are you wielding your weapon, you know, without a lot of forethought or because of your certain prejudice and racism and, and, and stereotypes, you're wielding your weapon in a way that you wouldn't against other people or you're doing it responsibly. I think there's something to be said about 
some of the long-held stereotypes about what it means to be a man. I do believe there's some validity to that. And of course, you wouldn't want to think just because you're a man, you could do certain things to women by force, intimidation, even if your president is doing it. That doesn't make you a man. Doesn't make you a man to hit women. Doesn't make a man to, to verbally abuse women, to harass women, sexually assault women. Now that makes you a man. Now that makes you tough. So under that guise, toxic would be the right term for that. Unfortunately, there are people, specifically men and women, who use this phrase loosely and as a weapon, basically against every man who does anything. If you see a woman and you think she's attractive and you say, hey, I think that woman is beautiful, you have certain types of women that would be like, that are fraudulent. So that's toxic black masculinity. Why are you telling me that I look nice? Why are you telling me that I look good? Why are you complimenting me? That's just stupid. But there are certain women, both black and white, who only use this for their own attention. They're frauds. They're fraudulent individuals. They use the black men are trash, men are trash way to justify their shortcomings as women. You see certain you know, articles about black men just living and all of a sudden it's toxic. Toxic is a very strong word. When something is toxic, they do try to eradicate it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not a kind word. And it's used, like I said, it's used as a weapon. Some of these women don't, some of these women, some of these websites, they don't care about black women. They don't care about black men. They care about themselves. They care about their retweets, their likes, their checks. And so any and everything that you say, all of a sudden, it's toxic black masculinity. Like, I remember someone was like, you're a toxic black man because you post Instagram models. Now, I want you to think about that logically for a second. A model that's on Instagram and their job is Instagram modeling, meaning that they take pictures on Instagram. That's how they make money. That's how they become popular. That's how they get likes. That's how they get followers. Pretty sure they don't care if they have 
a G-string on, a tiny bikini, and they're trying to do a bikini line that posted them on the site. It's promotion. It's not toxic black masculine. See, it's stupid. So it's like you don't use common sense. You know. I have no problem. Like, you hear things like women who are problematic for various reasons try to hide behind the whole toxic black masculine. Like, you know, you're just problematic. Like, if you're black China, you can't hide behind that. And look, I have nothing against Amber Rose, but you can't get upset if someone calls you a hoe or a slut while you promote being a hoe and a slut. Like, you have a whole thing called a slut walk. You're saying it's okay to be a hoe. To be a slut. So you can't get upset if someone says, well, Amber Rose is a hoe. You're openly promoting it yourself. That's not toxic black masculinity. That's just doing what you said that it was okay to do. You can't say, I don't want to be seen as a hoe, but then promote a whole line. That, that makes no sense. That's why you never see me act like I'm something that I'm not. Like, I understand there are times that you, as a reader, see BSO as just entertainment. Imagine me saying, you know, son, I need you guys to take me serious all the time. That would be insane. Not what I'm doing, IG model stories about athletes and girls named D-Money trying to beat up side chicks. What I do ask you is to take that as warning vein. And then if I, if I am talking about serious, some social justice stuff, some racism stuff, some media stuff, that you take that seriously. Just like, it, I'm assuming Amber Rose would say, okay, well, you know, I, I promote whole-ish activities. But if I'm talking about sexual assault, I would hope you would take me seriously. Because it doesn't matter if you're a hoe or a slut. Nobody deserves to be, you know, raped or sexually assaulted or harassed just because you're half naked all the time. That doesn't give men carte blanche to do whatever they want with you. So, see, it's common sense, but it's not common for a lot of people. The thing about these terms like toxic masculinity and stuff like that is that they get hijacked and repurposed. And they're their intent, their, 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 the intent of how it's supposed to be ends up being something totally different. So what I would say is that just pay attention to who's saying it. Just pay attention to who's using it, what their motivation may be. What's their, you know, what's their intent? What's their motive? Like, motive is important. That's why when people say, you click baiting. I laugh at that because you know something? That's my motive. These headlines are out of control. Did you retweet it or not? That's the motive. See, the thing is, I don't lie to you. That's the only difference. That's the only difference between me and some other people is that I never lie to you. Yes, I'm intentionally trying to get you to click on these stories. 
That's how I make my living. And I'm in a world where, you know, they're laying off people left and right. There's a, a change in time in, in digital media. Yes, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get you to click on these stories. It's important. But I'm not going to lie to you about it. I'm not going to say some of this stuff is really thought-provoking stuff. It's not. All I can promise you is that in between the, thought, in between the fluff and the clickbait stuff, there's going to be some substance. There's going to be either, you know, substance in regards to social justice or there's going to be some substance in regards to giving you insight into sports because the one thing that I don't argue about anymore, but it's true. I know what the hell I'm talking about. I've been doing this since I was, I did my first sports program when I was 14 years old. I've been covering sports my entire life. I was doing, I was in NFL locker rooms at 19. I've done every major event in person as a reporter that, that you can think of. Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, Final Fours, National Championship, Boxing, UFC, Olympics, every, everything I've done. So I know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, if that's if I could just talk about that and get paid, I would. Now you guys like the drama. I understand. I learned that a long time ago. My first big post ever was when I did like the top 25 NBA girlfriends and wives. And I'm talking the way, I mean, that's like 2006, 2007. We're talking 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago. So I knew it back then. I'm like soldier boy in that regard. Yeah, soldier boy is like always like, oh, you know, the YouTube and the social media. I was doing that all before the streaming. I was doing that all before this. I, I, everything that you see now, the shade rooms, the boss ups, the, the bleacher reports, the SB Nations, ESPN trying to, you know, act like they know, saying that they, it's lit and, and the mood. And I was doing all of that, all of that. 10 years ago. Black women, unfortunately, are treated terribly within this country. Probably the lowest on the total pole when it comes to this country. Black men are not treated that much better. We, as black people, I think because more of our circumstance than anything else, don't treat each other as well as we should. Sometimes I I think that it's amazing that some of us have done as well as we have, created what we've created, survived as long as we survived, considering everything was against us. And we didn't voluntarily come here. You know, think about other minorities, more or less. They came here on their own. You know, it's, it's just it's different when you come on your own. Then you're being forced. 
We're not talking too long ago where they would sit the dogs on us. And we see every day that society is not coming as far as we thought it's coming. All I have to do is talk about, you know, some racist kids in MAGA hat. And I can see very clearly what our society is still like. So when it comes to toxic masculinity, I think it's a it's a it's a phrase that when used properly makes sense, but now it's being used as a weapon in another way to first off separate black people and secondly to strip black men a, a bit of their essence and it's being used by the wrong people definitely being used by the wrong people so when I looked at Mr. Cruz and and Mr. Desheed you know kind of going back and forth and you know I don't know them well I mean like I said there's no of them you know I, I would like to hope that both of their hearts are in the right place. That Mr. Cruz wants to eliminate, especially in Hollywood, some of that negativity and want black women to be propped up as they should. And I hope Mr. Nasheed is his his thoughts are clear in trying to make sure that white supremacy and racism and make sure that we, as black people, aren't our own worst enemy. I think that's very important. I also like to point out that if we're not, like I said, I think the reason sometimes we're our own worst enemy is because of the positions that we're put in. Like I always say, you've seen Trading Places, the movie? If you haven't seen Trading Places, good movie. It's an old movie. Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, uh, the one lady from Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis. Very good movie, good acting. But the the premise of the movie is, is they take Eddie Murphy off the street, Valentine, Billy Ray Valentine. I don't know about those names. Uh, They take Eddie Murphy off the street. And they take their basically white privilege, everything been handed to him from the beginning. Winthrop, played by Dan Aykroyd. They take him and they do a bunch of things to kind of make him go off track, plant drugs on him, say he was stealing money um, and everything. And the, and the, the, the experiment is to see if you could take this poor black homeless man off the street and turn him into a CEO and what happens when you take this white privileged kid or a young adult and you know make everything go bad for him and what happens is is that the black guy in the movie Eddie Murphy uh, excels once given an opportunity and the white guy falls apart. And as I got older and I watched that movie, you know, it's a comedy, but still, 
you know, at the end, they end up working together to take down the Dukes. But the, the part that always stuck with me is how quickly the white guy falls apart without all of the protections and privilege. And how quickly the black guy, with just a little bit of encouragement, all of a sudden shows extreme intelligence and being able to run, you know, a business. So I always say, what if the black guy started off with the white guy's privilege? Where would he be at that same period of time? You get what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? So black people, many of us, have to start so low. We have nothing, no foundation. Like it's very important to me for my kid to have a good foundation. Meaning that if she goes to college, which she definitely is, but whatever her path may be, she has a little money in her pocket and she understands how credit works. That she understands how money works in general. Bills, interest, you know, she builds good credit. All of these things that in the black community sometimes we don't realize until it's too late. Have the proper foundation. That way, if you have the proper foundation when you leave college, or when you're a young adult, you're more apt to succeed because you're not digging out of a hole. So as black people, I think that's really the most important thing. If we're always digging out of this hole. And sometimes we put in each other, we, to get out, we're stepping on each other, crabs in a barrel, as we're trying to get out of the hole. So that's just my thoughts on toxic masculinity, Terry Crews, Mr. Nasheed, some of these fraudulent people out here, both black and white, that are using it as a weapon uh, against us. Feel free to. Give me your thoughts. All right, before I get out of here, I got to tell you the truth on something else because that's the name of the show, uh, The Ugly Truth. No pretty lies. And I find this, uh, this next story pretty hilarious, but I think it's a uh, good opportunity to tell you how media works, specifically sports media. <clears throat> so I'm sure you read you know, your social media pages or BSO or somewhere else, hopefully BSO. Uh, Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, was upset with something that uh, he heard on first take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. Uh, They were talking about John Gruden's uh, comments on Kyler Murray. And, you know, how potentially Kyler Murray, because the Raiders have three first-round draft picks, uh, could be a potential successor uh, to Derek Carr. Now, the interesting thing was it was Max Kellerman, not Stephen A., that really had the harsh comments. Uh, It was Max Kellerman that said that Derek Carr had basically quit and didn't want to be a quarterback anymore which is kind of the worst thing that you can say about any 
professional athlete is that they were scared, they were fearful, and quit. Pretty damning. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm just going to leave that in. <clears throat> Some pretty damning things from Max Kellerman. Stephen A. kind of piggybacked on it, but it you know, didn't go as strong as Max Kellerman. Whatever the case, Derek Carr found out about it. I think someone uh, snitched, because you know how people are on social media. Someone uh, snitched and sent Derek Carr, I think, a clip of it. And Derek Carr, I don't think he thought this all the way through, <clears throat> but he um, he tweeted uh, Dana White and, and asked if there's a way that can set up media people and athletes in the octagon. Yeah, I think Derek Carr's a he's he Derek Carr's the closest thing to Tim Tebow, who could actually play quarterback. You know, it's very all shucks and Christian ish. I mean, very much got this and got that, which is fine. Uh, so it's a little odd to see him, you know, basically challenging the guys that on first take to a. MMA fight, but I digress. Also, you know, Dana White's a Trump supporter, so I don't know where Derek Carr's political affiliations are, but it just looked a little weird. But see, let me tell you something about how media works, the truth. This is exactly what they want. They do not care how fans accept it. They don't care if fans are like, ooh, Derek Carr got him. Ooh, got him. Got him. Nobody cares about that. I, you know, I don't care about that. People ask me all the time, do you care if, you know, if, a, if an athlete, you know, snaps back at you? or No, why do I care? It just brings more attention to the story, which is the entire point is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter if your website, TV show. Uh, sports talk, radio, whatever it is. If you can get the athlete to react, you've already won. Because you need content. We all need content. Nobody is getting in, you know, for me, nobody's getting in trouble. Ain't nothing interesting out there. You know, I don't have much to put out there. I need content. We all do. First take does. So as soon as Stephen A. saw that, he went into what I like to call Stephen A. Smith mode. wasn't even about Stephen A. It was about Max Kellerman. Stephen A. does it real smart. You know, talks about it on his radio show. Calls the person out on Twitter. Always says they can come on the show. Then says, oh, I got something for you tomorrow. You know why? Because now you got to watch. What will Stephen A. say about Derek Carr tomorrow? Skip Bayless used to do that all the time. Oh, I got a lot to say. But I have to talk to you about it tomorrow on the show. I think that's where Stephen A. learned it from. Oh, got to watch it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and they talk about it. People watch. The ratings are high and everybody's happy. <clears throat> I had an um, executive at uh, FS1 who told me that 
the a couple of things. And it made me think, because this just was a few days ago. It was after um after Whitlock and uh Marcellus Wiley had the the black owner, black guy on there with an afro pretending to be Colin Kaepernick, and I wrote about that. Producer hit me up. He said, you know something? He said, I'm telling you this in confidence. So you know, I'm not going to say any names or anything, but he says, we have to do things to get people to talk about the show by any means necessary. And even if that means getting people like you, meaning me, to talk about it in a negative light. He says, if we just have a regular show, <clears throat> you're not going to watch it. You're not going to write about it. You're not going to report about it. Nobody's going to see the video, et cetera, et cetera. He says, you know, that's why once they figured out they can, uh, that Baker Mayfield will always reply, they start doing more Baker Mayfield stuff. And they're never like good. I mean, it's, it's not that they're good or bad Baker Mayfield stories, but their stories intended <clears throat> to get people to react. Now, I think there's a difference between doing Baker Mayfield stories and Colin Kaepernick stories because Colin Kaepernick is, I think, much bigger than sports. So you can't be playing, you shouldn't be playing around with that. You know, saying Derek Carr, you know, sucked and quit is different than, you know, having a black guy mock Muslims, you know, on your show. I'm just saying, it's totally, that's the difference, in my opinion. But if you know you can get to the player and rile up the audience or get to the media, that's what they're going to do. That's exactly what they're going to do. It's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's a smart business. This is very smart business. And Stephen A., you know, like I said, I think he learned a lot from Skip. I think Stephen A., before, was the way Stephen A. was, without that little thing where he tries to egg on individuals and stuff. So all of the stuff like the wearing the cowboy hat and and mocking the cowboy fans, all of that I think has been learned from his times with Skip. And you see Skip do it. You see Whitlock do it. You see Colin Cowherd do it. You see a lot of the sports radio guys do it. You see me do it in a in different type of ways. I'm not necessarily trying to <clears throat> egg on the athlete. I'm going to try to egg on you, the consumer, the fan. Not even the fan, just it's my job to get you guys talking and generating traffic for me. And I have to do that in some creative type of ways. Like, I just give you, I just give you a little example and then I get out of here, right? Just a little example. You think it's small, but this is how detailed you have to be in all businesses in general. I'll give you a little, little, just a little insight of like, it's a little bit more detailed than you probably think. I've done stories on Lonzo Ball's uh, baby mama, Denise Garcia, almost, you know, from the jump since we found out that's who he was dating. But I noticed when I add her nickname to it, D-Money, that elicits more reactions. 
more visceral reaction. Just by putting the D money. If I say, you know, Lonzo Balls, Baby Mama, Denise Garcia, blah, 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 still do well. If I say Lonzo Balls, Baby Mama, Denise, D money, Garcia, it blows up. It's just subtle things that can change things. And keep that in mind. Remember, it's the ugly truth. No pretty lies. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BSO. Facebook, Black Sports Online. Doing really well on Facebook uh, this year. <clears throat> I'm proud of all you guys that have followed me on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, BSOTV. YouTube, BSOTV. The website is Black Sports Online. Today is, what, Thursday? So this will be out tomorrow. And, you know, then, you know, my girlfriend's coming over. Uh, so you're not getting nothing on the weekend because I'm going to be gone for a week in Atlanta. So I have to make sure she misses me. If you smell what the raw is cooking. <laughs>